And welcome to a very special Five Heart Podcast. It is the Coronation.com flagship podcast, and it's brought to you by Coronation and uh, associate partner Vox Media and SB Nation. I am your host, Greg Mahochko, and we have the whole team here with us this week. are on the cusps of Week Zero Nebraska Cornhusker football. Joining me, and I don't know if you're seeing it on your screen, the same that I'm seeing it on mine, but above me, hi, John. It's good to see you <laughs> up there. Uh, I think I think I don't, I don't know if it was uh, Mike or Carol Brady, but uh, whoever was uh, up top middle, and then to to his uh, immediate left or right, if you're looking at it uh, uh, from the screen, is is Hoss Reuter, and to my immediate side, we couldn't have the show without him. And that's Todd Wolverton. Men, welcome to game week for the Nebraska football team. Feels it's good, man. Finally. It's less than 72 hours. <laughs> by the time this, well, it, it was, went from not everybody at once to everybody at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was, I was okay. And then tonight at dinner, uh, my wife and Rotten said, said something to me about the game. And it suddenly hit me that, uh, yes, we are playing football in less than 72 hours on another continent. And uh, I thought, um, you know, my head, my head is kind of confident. And then my stomach won't uh, stop gurgling. So I know that it's, you know, I never usually got really nervous except for anything but giant games. And uh, I don't really have alcohol to take this edge off anymore. So. I, I'll just do Ricolas, I guess. I don't. I don't know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> I know that's that's important because I caught just a small amount, and and I, I I think it was sarcasm. Not entirely sure, but the 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 conversation went like this uh, on Twitter. It was I think Sam McEwen was uh, retweeting one Tom Chattel and said that. No matter what anybody says, Oklahoma's the biggest game on the schedule. And I said, look, I don't know exactly what, what statement you're trying to make, but when you've got a head coach who's four seasons in and not one of them is a winning record, the next game is the biggest game. And it doesn't matter if it's Northwestern or uh, uh, whatever FCS team we're, we're playing to hopefully beat or Oklahoma or Illinois or Indiana or, or Michigan the next game is the most important game. And for a team that in the, in, in the Scott Frost era has always really struggled getting, getting going and starting off strong to the season. Yeah. Yeah. We could go back to year one and, and Akron and, and the, the lightning storm that canceled the game and then playing Colorado the next week and, and, and losing, losing Adrian Martinez, but losing the game this team always has a slow start. And so we need a, not only is it, it's the first college football game of the season, but it's a conference game. It's a division game. There, there is no bigger game than the one coming up this weekend in Dublin. Yeah. I got to agree with you there, Greg. Um, Oklahoma, it's easy to point at Oklahoma and say it's the biggest game on the schedule, but when you're 15 and 29 through four years and you've struggled to beat who you're supposed to beat, every single game is the biggest game. Um, 
you can't rely on the name recognition of pointing at your schedule and saying that's the big one or you can't rely on the name recognition of we're Nebraska. You can't just roll out there with the N on the side of your helmet and think you're going to roll over eight of the teams on your schedule and then you got four big games. Um, you got to have the focus for every single game week in and week out. Did you say that was Tom, was that Tom Chattel you said, Greg? Yes, I went back through and and found the the conversation, and, and I'm, I'm glad I did. It was uh, it was Sam McEwen who was uh, promoting a Tom Chattel column. Uh, my my response or, or my comment came from the uh, at you know Twitter at Five Heart Podcast, and I said, and I I thought I was not being a dick. So I, I apologize if I came off as a dick, but I said respectfully, not to sound cliche, for a team coming off a three and nine season that has bowl game aspirations and a coach in a must win situation, the biggest game is the next game. And Tom Chattel said, this is a great point. And when will I learn to take it one column at a time? So I don't know if he was a little chippy in his response. I, I don't because I know smart. that you know I, I'm not a, a I'm not a media apologist at all from a guy who used to be in, in, in a small market media, but I know that, you know, these guys are, are hammered by fans all the time. So I was trying not to be chippy. I was just, you know, yeah, I, I should, I've had a few dust ups on Twitter with some of the world Herald staff writers, and maybe it's being a little too generous, call them dust ups, but <laughs> in my opinion, they can be very thin skinned. They do good work covering the team. And I'm not going to accuse them of the media wants Nebraska to be bad because a good Nebraska is good for them as the local media. But they've been pretty thin-skinned at times, you know, to just some not – I wouldn't even call them criticisms. I would just call it, you know, conversation, you know, generating conversation about the team. That's also why journalists get a bad rap from people because of some of the holier-than-thou um, attitudes. But, yeah. I don't know. I, you know, I, I think, think Tom just wants to be back, back in the big eight. That's the Sky Riders. Exactly. Uh, he wants to yeah. be back. back <sighs> well, well, as the team traveled. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> I am getting nervous. My hands are all jittery and everything. Are you nervous about being live? Well, you know. No, it's it's finally hitting me that we're playing football in a little bit, and it it's kind of it's starting to you know set in. Oh, the night before the game, I'll be like a kid on Christmas Eve again. You know, hard to fall asleep. You know, stuff like that. I I want to say, uh, John, since you used a particular word of jittery, I would feel remiss if I didn't give a shout-out to the network that first housed the Five Heart Podcast. Obviously, we, we moved it to where it is now officially part of the SB Nation family, but originally it was on this little little startup podcast network over at jitterymonkey.com. Still, still podcasts over there. I'm on two of them, uh, but they're not Husker-related. Jitterymonkey.com on all of your favorite uh, podcast platforms. Thank you for the ability to work in that free plug, John. <laughs> so, what do you guys? What do we think? It, it, we it was other well, than it, passing out. It, it's an interesting week.
All right. Don't say anything, John. I'm going to take a drink of beer because you're making me. And what I was going to say is it's it's a unique situation for Nebraska. Obviously, this I don't know if this is a make-good game from, from the trip that wasn't last year because of COVID against Illinois, but you talk about road games, and this is you know the farthest road game that, that Nebraska's ever had to play. Uh, at least in 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 recent memory, because uh, I correct me if I'm wrong. I think they played some uh, non-conference or exhibition games or something like that in the '90s. Also, uh, in on foreign soil, am I right in that? Kansas State, and Tokyo, and <clears throat> okay. So I guess it depends on which ocean you want to cross. I technically, I think maybe Japan is farther. Geography. If if I was. And something in the military, but I'm not going to say it. <laughs> nah, probably for this. We're live, by the way. Thank you uh, to everybody joining us live uh, for I, this I, very special Five Heart I'm Podcast. A guy. I'm a history guy with the irreverent sense of humor of John. So, yeah. <laughs> Look out, ladies. Uh, with, with We're talking uh, a 4,000 mile, uh, give or take a few, um, you know, plane ride and different uh, in in accommodations that they're more than likely not accustomed to. And in a situation, I mean, yeah, it's a neutral ground, but oftentimes we think of, of you know, kickoff games, uh, you know, season kickoff games that are on neutral ground. It's usually uh, uh, AT&T or, or whatever it is in, in Dallas. Like it's it's the, the stadium in Dallas or, uh, you know, it, it's, it's uh, the Georgia Dome or, or uh, you know, so this is kind of un, uncharted territory uh, a little bit. So it, it's presented some new challenges for both teams. It, it's, you know, and, and my biggest, cons- maybe not concern, but I know we know Nebraska fans are there. I mean, it's part of a, a tourism package. You could buy, you'll get tickets and, and see the country type of thing uh, outside of that. <laughs> Uh, most of us that are on this conversation know uh, shout out to the one and only Brett Baker uh, who's there, who's been in. And, and I, I saw some of his uh, Instagram posts or something. I said, just so you know, I'm living vicariously through you until I can get to the Emerald Isle myself. Um, but it, we know that there are going to be Nebraska fans. Maybe even a few Northwestern fans are going to take some uh, time out of being pompous to make the trip. But what type of like, what type of uh, fan turnout is there going to be from from the locals? Your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. I don't think that many Nebraska fans made the trip. You know what I mean? It's probably going to be uh, I I sixty percent Irish guys, people, <laughs> Irishmen, Irish people. They said that they sold over ten thousand. To Nebraska. So we got 10,000 10, tickets fans. to Nebraska fans. Is that what you said, Todd? 10,000. Yeah. 10, so it's so. There'll be others that buy tickets. So really, we can count on about uh, seven Northwestern fans being there. Realistically, and probably probably one one Iowa assistant coach 
So, I mean, realistically, the, the stadium, if it's going to be full of people, they're going to be Irish. And, I, you know, I don't know what the Irish do when they watch American football, but uh, hopefully they're going to see a good Nebraska team beat the shit out of Northwestern. They probably do what a lot of people do, drink beer and have fun. Irish fans are going to be on the side of their local media. The Irish oh. job of uh, uh, the Nebraska football team is a So... Uh, interesting to see what side the, the rooting interest from Ireland has. That uh, that that article would have made Woody hate Woody Page proud. I mean, that was a complete hatchet job. Yep, brought up every indiscretion <laughs> think of over the past. Yep. Every, it, it it hit the bingo card of negative media coverage of Nebraska football over the past thirty some odd years. You know, if you're old enough, he didn't mention Johnny really? Rogers robbing a gas station. That's about the only one they didn't add. I mean, I'm surprised he didn't, like, interview Armin Katayan, you know, the guy who wrote that book, Big Red Confidential, you know, right. added a few more sto- bullshit stories. <laughs> Real quick, um, we in in their comments, uh, Colin has a, a favor, he, a request from you, John. Uh, and that's to uh, tell his multiple sclerosis to uh, uh, just uh, shove off. Now, John would do that, Colin. Unfortunately, you have to go to his cameo and pay him $75 to uh, for an angry rant at your multiple sclerosis. I can tell you for free, man, we hope uh, it, it, you can get a little ease and, and can enjoy the rest of the show. But John does charge because I don't know if you remember last year he went viral. He's got a big ego about it. Uh, so for $75 over on Cameo, uh, John will yell at your multiple sclerosis for you. I'm not John, but I'm a man of the people, so I'll do it for free. Your multiple sclerosis can fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't know my ego was this big yet. Yeah, John. You're, you're it's, real uh, bourgeoisie. Yeah. You, you, I mean, you're growing out your hair like a rock star, so obviously. I just love all man. the people after your video went viral after the Minnesota game. All the people sent it to me like, have you seen this guy? And it's like, yeah, I have a podcast with him. <laughs> well, let's talk about the, some of the Husker news that came out. And talk shit online. That was always fun. Oh, Rick Brown. A little there. bit of, of news that, that go ahead. What's going on with you guys? Well, I here's like the I thing. Don't get... for, the pe- for the people who are watching this, I made these guys use do this live. And they're like, we don't want to do this live. And I'm like, we're doing it live. And now we're all dealing with software that nobody's ever seen before. So it's probably a little <laughs> bit choppy uh, and nasty. But I'm not a guy who plans stuff ahead of time. I'm a guy who jumps into the deep end of the pool and then <laughs> figures out how to swim. So if there's any problems with this, you blame me and not these other guys. So Especially Todd. Todd's got that there. body language going like, uh, why in the hell are we doing this? But, uh, okay, go ahead, Greg. Well, I was going to say, some of the news that came out before the team went uh, abroad – uh, we had some, uh, I guess the best way to say it would be the news broke or was reported as to who was voted in as team captains. 
Yep. Oh, that's where we're leaving that? I mean, (laughs) who gets elected team captain might be the, I don't know, I don't want to trivialize it, but the least relevant thing that I look for when it comes to my favorite football team. I mean, it's like, all right, these guys laid in the locker room. Um, I'm going to be that guy about, you know, winning is the only thing that matters. I'm more interested in who the best players on the team are. Travis Volklek, good tight end. Captain. Not the best player on the team. You know, you get what I'm saying? I'm picking up what you're putting down. What about the okay. black shirts that were announced earlier today? Miles Farmer, starting strong safety. I like it. Greg, are you constipated right now? Uh, <laughs> no, I'm trying to read a horrible graphic from Husker Twitter or, or the Husker FB oh. Nation on Twitter about the black shirts. Because uh, I, I only saw the – what's that? Don't invoke Husker Twitter. You know no, 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 no. I mean, I know better than to do that. I, I'm just trying to read the names, and, and so I have to squint because it's not the best graphic. Um, So I I apologize. I'm, And maybe I'm a little constipated. Who, what, what? Is that okay? I'm not here to judge. Get yourself some Metamucil. The, the only thing I have to say about the black shirts is this. Uh, in 16 years now of doing this for Husker football, this was probably the first year in which I didn't see a single person on social media, on Twitter, on, you know, it's Twitter, social media, but anywhere, mention the black shirts before the media did or before the coaches did. I think one of the guys from the Omaha paper said, oh, they might hand out black shirts. And that was the first mention of it. And normally somebody in the fan base is going, when are they going to hand out the black shirts? And that should show you just how little anybody gives a flying shit about what is going on. What Anything of going on with this team until things start happening 1130 a.m. or Saturday morning. I mean, I've never seen a fan base just like chomping at the bit to actually see if they're going to have a football team that plays good football. That's what happens when you haven't been to a bowl game, you know, since December 30th, 2016. I think that we've, if I had to compare us to somebody right now, it's, uh, we're Purdue. You know, we, our, you our fan teams, even when they're bad, though. Yeah, I don't mean their football team. I mean our fan base. Minnesota's fan base is more, Minnesota's fan base, I'd say, is more active in this offseason than I've seen Nebraska's fan base. Other than every once in a while we get into an argument and everybody's cranky. But uh, I, the next 72 hours, I mean, they're probably going to be, you know, like the last three miles home where you're just like going, God, can we get there? Can we get there? Can we get there? Can we get there? <laughs> well, I'm happy it's 1130 a.m. kickoff. I'll have to sit yeah. around all day on Saturday. I think night games are overrated. Hey, now. Let, let's not. No. There are I certain. Wake I want to wake up. I want the game to be on. You know, I don't. That, Greg, I, I, I get that, too. But there are black... certain. Go ahead, Todd. I mean, so our defense only put nine guys out there, nine against their 11. Yeah. How, how does that equate? We're just holding a couple of them back, time decision or something like that. I think they're I, waiting. Our nine are better than their 11. 
they're waiting until the start so that they can hold their philosophy that they don't give it to who hasn't played a game or something or other. But that's the one thing that kind of bothers me, though, because it is a practice jersey. It is a practice jersey. If you earn it in practice, you should. You are a black shirt. No, I, I think the is about the whole black shirt thing. And we've got one of those small town to you know showed up. He's put put in. He's earned a spot. Uh, as a starter, that Colton fight, whoever heard, heard of Colton really, you know, locked in with Nebraska football. So that's see a kid like that. But you're telling me, sure, to O'Shawn Map hasn't played a snap yet for the university. If he's one of the best 11s who said, I'll give him a damn black shirt. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I'm sleeping. I had a whole lot of sleep. I'm still time. <laughs> so, Todd, how much does jet lag really screw you up? A lot. A lot. So, I mean. Throw away the idea that you're like 235 years old. How how much do you think it'll affect a, a 20 year old defensive tackle? By Saturday, I don't think. It will. But you know what I can. Um, you know I've traveled 21 kids for college athletes. You know, generally speaking, when we were there, we arrived morning and the our kids for eight or nine hours the challenge was just to okay do not let them lay down and go immediately keep them up until normal bedtime you know go to bed at 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock they can stay up up that that late that was the best way way to that was our philosophy you know so um those, those guys will be fine by game they'll work rook says that he wishes he could go back in time and shake some friend sense into frost to pursue joe burrow i feel you man i I'm the same way, but I think it worked out for Joe Burrow. If he would have came here, he'd probably be a branch manager at Enterprise Rent-A-Car right now. And, and that's the thing, too. <clears throat> Comparing LSU's, uh, you know, like the, the offensive line in front of him there versus the offensive line that we had here in 2019 is not much of a – not much of a comparison, you know. It, it's good. It's good theory. Like from. hindsight being. Too... Go ahead, Greg. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, no, I was gonna say it, it, it's nice to think about. Uh, you know, with hindsight being twenty twenty, and oh, you know, what if? But it's not just one guy. You know that that can. He he wasn't going to elevate Nebraska by himself, 
I feel like Nebraska at that time would have probably, hate to say it, uh, dragged him down to our level. <laughs> yeah, we didn't have a we didn't have a Justin Jefferson or a Jamar Chase or Thaddeus Moss on that roster, and the jump that Burrow made from eighteen to nineteen was pretty remarkable at LSU. I remember watching that uh, seven overtime game that LSU had with A and M in twenty eighteen, and Burrow was just a solid game manager. But he took a huge step forward in 2019 when they hired Joe Brady from the New Orleans Saints to be the passing game coordinator. And so I think it worked out for the best. But it is fun to think about what if um, he he would have came here and been that transcendent of a talent. Should we segue into um, speaking of transfer quarterbacks? Uh, should we segue into Casey Thompson? Yes, we should. It, it was announced he was going to be the starter. He's also, and I don't know if they were waiting to release this list until after Nebraska named a starter, uh, but he's on the Unitas Award watch list. Ooh. I watched that uh, Red River shootout last year before going down to Lincoln for the Nebraska-Michigan game, and that was some high-level quarterback play that he had. Um I love what Sarkeesian does in terms of a passing scheme down at Texas and what he did at Alabama. And so that really opens up throws for him to make. But he was spinning it at a pretty high level. Um, a lot of throws the deep fade really well, throws the wheel route really well. So I envision that we'll see that in this offense with how much Whipple loves the shallow cross concept with the wheel route clearing out the uh, backside. So I'm pretty sure uh, we'll, we'll see maybe Ramir Johnson sneak up the sideline on a wheel route. Okay, is he going to be quick in the yeah, head? He, yeah. Oh, in the head. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to invoke our uh, departed quarterbacks coach, Mario Verdusco, you got to be a fast blinker at the quarterback position. And he looked like he made pretty good decisions last year. He was playing at a high level for that thumb injury. And um, I think he sees the field really well. And I think that he can read pre-snap coverage, which way they're going to rotate, they're going to drop a safety. You know, everybody plays that cover four-quarter shell now just to be structurally sound before the snap against any formation. Um, so I think if he can identify, hey, in this situation, they like to flip into this from cover four before the snap, I think we'll be okay. But I'll be curious to see those first couple of drives and see how well he's processing Um what he's seeing on the field. Somebody quarterback dart on third and nine ever again. You know, that quarterback <laughs> draw play with the backside tackle pulling and wrapping through the a gap. I never want to see that play ever again. That's my generation's short side option. Okay. What, Haas, what do you think? What are we doing? If we get the ball first, what are we doing? I bet we're going to throw a screen first and, my whole mindset, and I'm not talking a bubble screen, I'm not talking an arrow screen, I'm talking a designed screen to a running back. And my whole thought process with that is it's the first game of the year. Guys are chomping at the bit to hit somebody else that's not on their own team. I hate that cliche, but it is true. So I think we might try to <laughs> run a little bit of a misdirection screen to use their you know aggression and pursuit against them. Get them flowing one way, come back to the other side and hit him on a slip screen. We did that to Michigan on our first play of the game, that long screen pass to Ramir Johnson. Michigan came out jacked for that game, popped it for, you know, I think it was close to 70 yards down the sideline. So 
I think that's where we'll go. Or I could go with the really boring answer and say we're going to run mesh with two shallow crossing routes. <laughs> so, and run so, the damn ball guy will uh, throw his uh, paps through the TV. <laughs> what What is Northwestern going to do on defense? They're probably going to be 4-3, four, four, four-man front, uh, maybe a little bit more of a 4-2-5 with a nickel. They're going to play cover four. Um, just like Casey Thompson was saying this week in the press conference, they're a big cover four team. They do a little bit of flipping their safeties, rotating them pre-snap and post-snap. Um, they're really going to use their backside safety to chase motion or to fit backside against run plays. So we got I think the big key for us is going to be targeting their safeties. I don't know how experienced they are back there in their back seven on defense, I don't anticipate that they'll be as well prepared or well coached as they would have been under, you know, a name that I mention all the time on this podcast, Mike Hankwitz, greatest college defensive coordinator of all time, in my opinion. Um, but they're going to scheme up pressure. They're not going to be able to get pressure on you with four. They're going to have to bring somebody, a linebacker, a corner, a safety. And those are the moments where pregame film study really matters. So if Casey Thompson knows that they like to, maybe run a cat blitz or a cowboy blitz on third and four from the boundary, being able to check into something else or adjust a route on the fly to hit somebody on a quick slant where they're vacating. Targeting is illegal. <laughs> yeah. you, you don't see them walking their safeties up to stop the run? Not unless we're really ripping them. I, I think that – they're going to play cover four, and we play a lot of cover four in Shenander's scheme, just like we talked about a couple of weeks ago. They're going to play a lot of cover four because they don't want to get beat deep. They want to make you earn every last yard between the tackles. Uh, first play of the game against Northwestern last year, that was a nice bomb off play action. We were booting it back to the backside. That was nice. Also, it was an underthrown ball, but, hey, if it gets there, I don't care. <sighs> what? Let me ask you guys this: um, Some uh, a Nebraska media outlet that charges, uh, you know, they have a subscription-based thing. They actually can afford to be in Ireland, uh, and one of them caught uh, Gabe Irvin Jr. and asked him his thoughts about uh, the running back room, and he says it's it's the strongest. Uh, perhaps you know it, it's been in a while. He says they're all dedicated to. Uh, you know, popping pads on 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 the uh, opposing defenders, running downhill. You could understand if it was quote unquote coach speech, if a coach was saying it. But I mean, he seems to have. A, a, I'm not doubting the, the young man. He's he's in that room. He's in practice. And did anything that he said. First of all, thumbs up, thumbs down. If you guys heard that quote or, or watched that clip, and did, does okay. Well, half and half. Um, John, having watched that clip, did it give you any more confidence, uh, or or let me rephrase, uh, would it give any more confidence to uh, run the damn ball guy? You know, I hope so. I, you know, I, you look at the running backs; it's like looking at the receivers and the quarterbacks. I mean, we should have enough options that if one guy isn't getting the job done, they got like four other guys they can switch to. So. Uh, it, it, with different styles, I think too. You've got you know Yance, a pretty 
decent, strong guy, and Ramir and uh, uh, oh, come on, Gay Bourbon's kind of in the middle. Ramir is going to be more shifty, scat back type guy. Uh, I, I guess one of the things I'm interested in watching is how much we are going to like the run pass ratio. What are we going to do this year for that? And, you know, are we going to actually have an offense that makes sense? In other words, offensive plays that feed off each other. Uh, something that actually we have bread and butter plays three games into the season before we see Oklahoma. You know, we're, we're un, under frost. We really haven't, we haven't, you haven't been able to identify anything like that other than, oh, look, Adrian Martinez is running again. That's where, one, I, I, I think you left out the best, the guy who's going to be the best running back on this team, Anthony Grant, the junior college transfer. But um, in terms of the run game, that's what I'm most curious to see on Saturday. How are they marrying together? Whipple's offense, the passing game, what he was hired for, and blending it with the existing concepts from Frost's offense. Because like we talked about how you can see receivers running wide open, the plays are well designed. The running game is very well designed too. It's, you know, when you see it drawn up, hey, that would work if this guy executes that down block and that polar gets a, you know, targets the inside shoulder of the DN to kick him out instead of log him. So, I'm kind of reserving judgment there, but Whipple's running game at Pitt, I mean, is about as basic as you can get. And he didn't have a whole lot of curveballs to throw at defenses in the run game when they started taking away something. It's a wide zone-based run game. They got an influence trap that they'll mix in there when the DT starts playing too far upfield. And then they're going to run power out of the pistol. And that's basically it. And you contrast that with Frost's run game and – it's every scheme in the book, basically. Yeah. And you, when you're seeing the defensive fronts that we do in the Big Ten, you have to have a diverse running game. Um, you can't be Iowa and just run outside zone, you know, unless you have Iowa's offensive line. Because even Wisconsin is very varied in their running game. Zone, gap, traps, all that. Do you, do you think wanna, we're going to uh, get a – do you think we're going to see a Nebraska offensive line that can run block and pass block? I mean, that's the other thing we're going to watch this game and kind of we're going to pick it apart. Than you pass blocking, just because yeah. like you last year, and this this might be a function that helps us because Adrian Martinez is now gone. We were so reliant on him in the running game that our backs. I've only averaged 94 rushing yards a game going back to 2019. I think that's what Max Olson mentioned in his uh, athletic article about Adrian being at Kansas State now. And so we haven't had a whole a good tailback running game in a few years. I think maybe some flashes of Dedrick Mills is about it. You know, Divino Zigbo in 2018 was, you know, he ran like a dude, but that's about it. So I'm really hoping that we can – actually showcase some of the skill talent we have in the running back room because I love where our skill talent's at. I like generally what we can do run blocking up front. The pass protection and the quarterback play are going to make or break this offense. Yeah. I'll call in. Um, I want to piggyback. Heading into every season. I'm kind of, you know, think it's going to be a shit show until I'm proven wrong. So I'm hoping I'm wrong, 
you know, about the pass blocking. I'd love to see it be good. But when you look back at that spring game and then you consider Prohaska coming back from an injury and if it's going to take him a while to shake off rust and having a – who is it at right tackle? Bryce Benhart. Bryce Benhart, thank you. Yeah, from your region, your neck of the woods. Passed through Lakeville, right? Not a bad little place. Um, yeah, Bryce Benhart doesn't do much to inspire confidence in pass protection. <laughs> I'm going to say that as nice. I do, I, do want to, I do want to piggyback on something that John said a few moments ago uh, regarding Frost and, and the, I mean, not inconsistency necessarily, but the, the Frost is a play guy, uh, not a, maybe a system guy. Does that make sense? Um, I, I've off. seen that criticism a few times. Hmm. Grab back. The, the offense yeah, they, it, it doesn't seem like it, at least in the past and, and hopefully hopefully this has changed with with a little bit of a uh, more veteran influence in in Mark Whipple but not a whole lot of cohesion like one doesn't set up another it, it's it, for a lot of time last year and in the couple of years before it's we got to hit a home run every time you know and and I certainly, Hoss, what you and I talked about last week is I understand that if you if you score in two plays instead of twelve, uh, you know if you have a two play drive that scores instead of a twelve play drive that maybe doesn't stalls out or is a turnover or something like that, uh, the longer a drive. That's why we talked about last week with the defense if they can keep the offense in front of them and not give up the big plays, it creates further opportunities to force the offense into a, into an error, a mistake, a turnover, something like that. But it seems like that's always been Frost's goal is to, uh, as quick as possible, get it in the end zone. And and I, I when it works, I guess that's great. But the problem is it didn't work, so there's no backup plan. And I guess that's what's so vexing, so puzzling about how well that 2018 offense was clicking, racking up five, 450 yards or more in seven or eight straight games. We – we weren't just scoring on big plays. We were churning out drives, uh, you know, 10, 12 play drives. And now it seems like it's just this collection of plays, especially last year where it was this weird air raid, coastal Carolina run game, Frankenstein monster that some of the stuff looked like stuff that I was drawing up in my notebook in seventh grade, you know, geometry class <laughs> uh, with all the orbit motion. Um, there's just no cohesion. I want to see plays build off of each other. The best play callers are always constraint play callers. Setting, running something that's going to set something else up a few plays from now, a couple series from now, late in the game, stuff like that. And when your entire offense is, you know, the deep Y cross play to Samari Toure, the quarterback dart, and maybe running, you know, belly or inside zone to your backs, I mean, that's – not exactly a whole lot that's going to build off of each other. And uh, when it works, yeah, that's great. But I need to see consistent drives, I think, especially in the Big Ten. And I know that recently on this podcast we've been talking about what a rough league the Big Ten conference is. But it truly is. you got to grind out drives because you're dealing with a lot of fourth- and fifth-year seniors on defensive lines who, you know, it's a grown man's game at that point. Right. 
I want to touch on a, a couple of comments here, uh, and then we're going to get to our predictions. Uh, we we promised each other we try to keep this under an hour, and with Todd's, uh, uh, we'll say technical difficulties, poor guys just sitting there listening until we're doing the uh, predictions. So God bless you, Todd, for your patience you for your service, uh, your Todd. In, in, in ways that I am not. Uh, I'm going to scroll down here to uh, Andy. Andy, uh, uh, a fellow panhandler. That didn't come out right. Uh, Shattering State guy <laughs> asking if uh, if there are any, quote-unquote, Danny Woodheads on our team. Oh. Uh, the One that comes to mind, even though he's not getting immediate playing time, but when you think of, of home state guys who are maybe getting their due, and we mentioned him earlier, would be Colton Feist. Brody Bell. It's not a – God. Brody Bell's still on the roster. He got enough airtime last season. Todd, Todd oh, really does you're... class up twice. John, Danny Woodhead. Danny Woodhead. In what regard? I mean, Danny Hood, Woodhead like, was incredible. Like a running back that's going to rush for like seven thousand yards. Yeah, God, I, so. I the way I interpreted the question. A real Andy, five. I know you're. Guy. Real five heart guy. Is that what <laughs> real five. Five. I the way I interpreted the question was a, a Nebraska guy who who's getting an opportunity uh and and could really um blossom in, in his role. I may be wrong. He may be specifically uh talking about skill player who who's going to, you know, win win the D one equivalent of the Harlan Hill twice, which is the Heisman. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> That that would be Brody Bell, right, Todd? Yeah, Brody, Brody Bell. Yeah, Bell. he's too much or something that you, you won't consider him a guy who. Can just be, well, if it if it's a running back who can have twenty seven hundred yards in one season, I'm just gonna go with Anthony Grant. And that got 2,700 yards. Good Lord. Are we playing, uh, Better than Brody playing Georgia in the college football playoff if that happens? Yeah, we yes. have to be close, right? That I mean, we we happen, have to be right there. Get some money from SB Nation to do a live show from the stadium, be at the game. I feel like. I feel like we should. And we, we that would have to be a show that was live in front of a crowd. Yeah. You know. That I, I'm for it. John I'm would have to cut it. His hair. I would have to what? You'll have to cut your hair. Yeah, to shore that up a little bit. That that's only happening for charity or some large, <laughs> massive thing happening where somebody makes a shit ton of money. I have worked so hard. John, John, I will yeah. give the 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 medical research facility that handles – you were just on local news, local celebrity here, uh, regarding the uh, uh, the eye box and, and the concussion protocol. I will give them a hefty $5 if you cut your hair <laughs> on our show live next week. And I'll I only say in. that because I don't have a whole lot of money. I'll chip in 10 bucks and a tin of Copenhagen. <laughs> <laughs> um. It, Another one from Andy, and and, and I'm not. This isn't nepotism. I, I no offense. And Andy's not my favorite, but you know he did give me a shout out. But he asked. Uh, he says it seemed like Frost liked 
to use his bigger backs as a lead fullback. Will we see Whipple use that same type of run game? Uh, I just want one damn fullback on our roster. Agreed, Andy. I could, honestly, I could see Chancellor Brewington playing kind of a situational fullback H-back role. I mean, that guy just murders people on the field. So, yeah, I think that'd be a good role. He might not get the ball on a trap play, but in terms of clearing the road, you know, for being a lead blocker, yeah. We had some good questions early on from Brooks. Uh, I'm going to try to scroll down here and find them. Uh, John, you be ready to uh, show them as well. Oh, that wasn't it. Brooks said early on, he says, if we win this game, we are blessed with a year of good luck and we make the playoff. You heard it here first, boys. Um, one one game at a time, Brooks. One game at a time. No, no Brooks, you know, we got to uh, give him credit. He called the playoff long before I mentioned Georgia, Nebraska, Georgia, and the college football playoff. So, Brooks, I hope you're a soothsayer. Not, yeah. not mentioning his name, and you guys know who I'm talking about. Uh, but Colin asks, uh, and we'll get to actual like the season predictions, but he says predictions on who scores the first touchdown for Nebraska on Saturday. Northwest. I would say, <laughs> no, he says for Nebraska, damn it. Don't this be that guy. John. Johnson runs back the opening kickoff. Brody. I'm fine. Bell. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going with Anthony Grant on a on a 73 yard run up the middle. They're gonna do, I'm do gonna put Brody Wational play fumble and run it. Yant will fumble the ball, scoop it up. That's the first. Oh my god! I like Andy's question answer right there. That's a good one. God, I like you a lot better when we couldn't hear you talk. Just <laughs> three start, th- starting three wide receivers. I think it's going to be Trey Palmer, Omar Manning, and God. Other than that, that's a tough call. Alante Brown. Ooh, Alante Brown. Or I was going to say, you know, they love – Mark Whipple loves Brody Belt. Remember that from the spring? He loved Brody Belt as a slot receiver. What about Ramirez Johnson? I'm really glad that you guys talked me out of – Talked you out of what? Oh. uh, You guys talked me out of watching the spring game, and I'm really glad you did. Dude, yeah, you, it, it's a cure. It was a cure for insomnia. Like AC right. Thompson threw four passes. No. Then, other than that, I was spending all the time looking up what number certain players were because it was deep on the roster. I'd, I'd be Thank okay you, going Andy. back. Uh, Brown. Backing up uh, uh, a couple questions or, or one question. I like the idea of Omar Manning scoring the first Husker touchdown of the season. Hopefully it's on a nice in rhythm deep post like his touchdown against Oklahoma last year. Oh, that'd be that'd be what a way to get him going. And that might have been Adrian technically his career. Isn't that sad to say? He had four years and, and yeah. I mean it was perfectly placed. I I get it. But I'm just happy it had, I don't it had to be, but 
is is this a judgment free zone? Is this the Planet Fitness of uh, podcasts? Because I'm gonna say it right no, now. No, never. I'm just happy that I don't have to spend another year of my life, another fall of my life, watching Adrian Martinez quarterback this team. It's no disrespect to him personally. <laughs> He's a great dude. I just the amount of times that I just wanted to. I, I don't even know. Just you know, throw a hat, slam a beer, something like that. Because we had a court, we were playing with one hand tied behind our back because he couldn't even just look pre-snap. Hey, there's a void there between the linebacker and the slot receiver. I'm just gonna throw a little slant, a little hitch, a little snag, pick up the free easy yards, keep the drive going. That's how Purdue's beaten us the past few years. That's how a lot of teams in the Big Ten make their hay. Pre-snap reads, get the ball, one step, throw. You know, get it out of there. When we when you have a quarterback who can't do that, you're in for a long day on offense. Yeah. But then he'll go throw a 60-yard bomb out of nowhere. You know, it's I think there's a word for that. Enigma. Not enema. Enigma. <laughs> Sometimes it feels like an en- enema. Uh Richard has a has a, a really great uh prediction for the first Nebraska score. Nebraska brings out a secret fullback fullback that no one knows about, and they break a 25-yard run for the first touchdown. Does Andy Janovich have a younger brother that we don't know about that's secretly on the team under a different name? Uh, I went to Gretna and played football with his older brother, Dan, and in that family, I think all there is after Andy is a younger sister who played basketball in college somewhere. So, no, no more Janoviches. Good athletic – Athletic bunch, good for them. Uh, Mike Schuster, you got tired of Adrian saying it's on me. I, I think that's what you're implying it being about Adrian. Same, bro. Like I got really tired of that. You know, at some point, <laughs> taking accountability is great, but what are you going to do to fix it? And then Richard, great when that the the secret fullback is hiding in the little red costume, <laughs> which would be great for everybody because he bursts out, destroys little red in the process. Takes the handoff, oh. goes the yard. You guys know how much I hate Little Red. <laughs> Should we be worried if we it, see the head coach on the headphones when the offense has the ball? No, not at all. He's he's. Why? Because he's the head coach. I, did we lose? Did we lose? <laughs> We did. Oh my God! Uh, somebody should have probably tested this getup before we started this mess. <laughs> All right, they'll probably come back in a oh. few minutes. Like I said, you guys can blame me, and we'll see if we do any more live shows this season. I wouldn't mind doing it because uh, um, I don't have a social life, so this is it. It's kind of sad, but uh, that's the truth. Um, hey, I'm back. Hoss. There he is. Yeah. Uh, something just blinked. Hey, I moved up a spot. Okay, why, Uh, why, why wouldn't you be worried if you see the head coach on the headphones? He's the head coach. I mean, he's you know he's got input. Hey, I think we need to run this, and you know, same thing. When we're on defense, you know, Frost is switching that channel over to the defensive staff. He's listening into their conversations as well. Uh, speaking of, uh, right before you got uh, disconnected, Hoss, a uh, uh, friend of the show, Josh, says this is a blast. Get Hoss a whiteboard and markers. So, 
I mean, like, yeah, I have. Yeah, you can't really see it. I gotta find just yeah. right, just right. <laughs> yeah, not, yeah, nice little orbit screen pass that I had drawn up there. But yeah, maybe we should do that. Uh, Colin okay. wants to know who who do we think will start next to Ty Robinson on the defensive line? Would it be uh, Nash, Feist, Win, or Devin Drew? I think it'll be Win. Devin Drew, little undersized at 280, especially for the Big Ten Conference. That's like putting Cam Meredith at three technique against Wisconsin in 2012 when they ran for three million yards in Indianapolis. Um, so that makes me a little nervous. Situationally, that's not ba- not a bad thing. Um, I think it'll be win. I think Feist getting the black shirt's more symbolic than anything. I'm not saying he can't play because he does sound like he's a freak athlete from some of the stories on Twitter about him playing point guard in, basket, in high school basketball at UTAN at 250 pounds. Yeah. But I, I, I'd go with win. Upmacher, I think he's going to be good. I don't disagree. Uh, the, the polar bear will feast. Yeah, we know how much you love your know. wrestling. Easy Tiger. I don't I don't I don't partake in that anymore. Uh all in the ATL says what do you guys think about the move to the oh, to a 4-3 defense? I mean it, it's a little bit of we've talked about this in the past uh, uh Dr. Defense uh, who also is very skilled at offense but uh or or maybe vice versa but uh it it's been something of a hybrid as of late. It's it's been we've been fitting into four down you know like we've been fitting post snap into four down defensive fronts from three man fronts. And a lot of that comes from, you know, you're having a linebacker, you know, just fill a gap prime as his primary responsibility along with the other three defensive linemen, or you got three D linemen on the field and you got a linebacker standing up. So you're effectively in a four man front. And I think that's why we saw such an uptick in defending the run last year. We were going more with four-man, fitting into four-man structures. And uh, I think that another big part of that is it allows us to replace one linebacker with that nickel type, you know, that JoJo Doman nickel linebacker type. I think I read in the paper that they're officially – you know how there's Mike, Will, and Sam for the linebacker positions? They're just calling that JoJo Doman role the nick, the nick linebacker. Okay. We have an official name now. I can I can finally stop explaining it in depth every time it gets brought up. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I love the move to fitting into more four man fronts because when you're playing against Iowa, Wisconsin, Minnesota teams like that, you need more bodies on the line of scrimmage. Right. Well, it's we're just at the 55 minute mark uh, of the show that was supposed to be capped at an hour. Uh, let's get into the predictions for the season. Uh, we'll start with week two, which would be North Dakota. We'll come back and, and do Northwestern at the very end. Of course, that is uh, the the opportunity where we'll actually give scores. So uh, Saturday, September 3rd, Nebraska, is it's their home opener. It, it is against North Dakota, an FCS squad. Um, I have, for the purposes of you, uh, viewing at home, I do have. I'm keeping a a well. Apparently, you can't see it, but it's a piece of paper, and here's a pen. 
I'm going to be writing all these down and keeping track as we go uh, to the winner. Uh, if I win this entire season rundown, John's getting a haircut. If John wins, he's going to shave my head. If Hoss wins, we will all pitch in and get him a can of Copenhagen. Mint long cut, please. And long cut. And if Todd wins, we're going to buy him an Ethernet cable and really shore up his his uh, his situation there. So that's a hell of a gift. Okay, that, so we're we're just know, we're just giving a season prediction. Season prediction. Um, well, we're going to go week by week. Um, no, just we wins are. and losses. We'll do scores every week. So, okay, is that all right? Everybody, everybody, good. Yeah, I think we have an understanding. Okay, so Saturday, September third, home against North Dakota. John, who do you got? Well, that's a that's a win. Wait, we didn't okay. start with Northwestern. I'm already confused. Oh, we're we're, no. we're going to circle back to that last. Okay, fine. We'll circle back to Northwestern because we can give the score for Northwestern City. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so John, you say Nebraska wins against yeah. uh, North Dakota, Hoss. Win, duh. Todd. Win. And I will say, of course, that's a win. Uh, we'll follow that up with a home game against Georgia Southern on Saturday, September tenth. This is going to be under the lights. This is a six thirty kickoff. Um, John. Win. Win. Todd. Todd, win. Okay, thank you. And uh, uh, I'm going to say win again. All right, here's the f- first one, at least as we're going, that is going to be a challenge. It's an 11 o'clock kickoff, September 17th, home against Oklahoma, the big noon kickoff for Fox. John. Loss. Loss. John. Hoss. Todd. Todd says thumbs down. Okay. I'm going to go win. Mr. Cool. I'm going to go win. Huh? Yeah, uh, actually, next, we have. Uh, never mind. <laughs> uh, by week uh, on the 24th. And then October win. 1st, first day of October, Saturday, it's a 6 or 6 30 game against Indiana. John, you and I get the pleasure of watching this one together. What do you say? Win. Loss. Okay. Hoss? Hoss? Loss. To Indiana. Dude, we got shredded by okay. them last time we played them. Okay. And I know they're oh a lot of so, but we're not at the point where we can say it's Indiana because unfortunately we're Nebraska. Doesn't win after bye week. So uh so doesn't win after bye week. And Todd's going with the the age old, which is not wrong. Uh, Scott Frost struggles after the bye week, so he says a loss against Iowa. I say a win against uh, Iowa. So, Indiana, who really cares? Um, what I say? Iowa. Anyway, uh, we'll get there anyway. Uh, October seventh is a Friday night game against the Rutgers uh, on the East Coast. It won't be the longest uh, road trip of the year for for the Huskers. Uh, Friday night lights, John. 
Win. Win. Pause. In a very terrifying close game <laughs> on the East Coast. Win. Todd? Rugby's going to be good up. this year. Win. And I say win. Okay. Next, we are on the road at Purdue. October 15th, Saturday game, TBA, West Lafayette, Indiana. John. Win. God, I love you, John. Haas. Loss. Oh, wow. Okay. Brom owns uh, Brom, Todd? Unfortunately. Wow. All right. I'm going to say win. <laughs> You're writing these down? Oh, my God. Greg, in in your column, are we undefeated still? Yeah. (laughs) I love it. I got it. Somebody's got to be a believer. I I love it, man. Uh, So we take take the 22nd off. Uh, We come back October 29th uh, at home against Illinois. Uh, time to be announced. John. Win. Haas. <laughs> Win because I hate Brett Bielema. Win. What the hell? Right. He's a douchebag. Okay. I say a win because Scott Frost won't be coaching coach only after the bye week. Yeah, I, I I think if my prediction's right, I've I gotta agree with uh Todd. So I'm okay. gonna say so so for, for those of you who, who missed it, uh Todd says that uh Nebraska will beat Illinois after the second bye week because he says at that point Scott Frost won't be the head coach anymore. <laughs> so, <laughs> that that's we haven't okay. All right, now we have November 5th uh, at home against Minnesota. Time to be announced. John. Loss. Okay. Haas. Win. Burn the boats. Todd. Because I agree with Todd. Frost won't be the head coach by then. Um, Oh. Against Minnesota. Okay. And I'm going to say, win. You don't say. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Greg's got us in the news. Greg, you're not even drinking Kool-Aid at this point. You are just snorting the Kool-Aid packets. Uh, So you can't see this, I don't think. There's a penguin on this can of beer. Uh, this is Urban Chestnut Brewing Company from St. Louis, Missouri, uh, and it's a, this is a fundraiser beer that they actually made. It's a Kolsch Ale fundraiser for the St. Louis Zoo. Uh, so this is this is a good pint. Uh, it's empty. I'm ready for another one. Um, but if need be, on a, on a on a Husker game day, I will pour Kool Aid packets into my beer and make something truly outstanding. I never want to hear another person on this podcast give me a hard time for drinking Coors Banquet and orange juice for 11 a.m. games. <laughs> Ever. That is what on earth, Greg. I, I mean, I haven't done it. I'm just saying I, I, mean, I, I would if I had to. born in Hastings, Nebraska. 
Home of Kool-Aid and Tom Osborne. That's fine. Me and Tom, we'll go out there. We'll kick it at the diner. Old man style. Coffee at six. Uh, Next up we have uh, um, at the big house, November 12th against Michigan. Moss. Moss. Loss. I'm not saying we're going to get, you know, the doors blown off us. Um, I think we'll be competitive, but loss. Loss. Thumbs down from Todd. And you know what? I think this is going to be another close one between two storied teams. And I'm going to go with Owen. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Andy. Orange beers are actually solid at night, Andy. All right, November 19th. November 19th is a home game, uh, uh, our our home uh, finale, if you will, against Wisconsin. And, uh, Don, we'll start with you. Loss. Haas. Well, we haven't beaten Wisconsin since the iPhone 4 was brand new, and they're releasing the iPhone 14 this fall. You know, you don't have to make fucking references like that. You don't have to. It, it hurts me. It hurts me. It truly does. I'm just providing context for our loyal listeners who were kind enough to join us live. Are you going to bring up the Eisenhower administration or some goddamn thing now? No, because Nebraska football wasn't good in the 50s. All right. You want to talk about thumbs the up or thumbs down. interstate system or something? We're focused here. We are focused here, mister. Hoss, where are you at on this? Nebraska or Wisconsin? I said loss. Oh, I, I didn't. I, you were going into a, a history lesson about iPhones, and I thought you were like, well, yeah. symbolically, we haven't won since the iPhone 4, but now we're getting the iPhone 14, so I really like our chances. <laughs> no, I said loss. Okay. <laughs> All well, right, Todd. I like it. Got to win. Oh! Win. Every and dog has with? their day. Be so depressed, and then out, and they're going to beat Wisconsin. It's going to go into the Iowa game with fall. I don't know what you said there at the end, but I'm I, right there with you, and I hope that happens because <laughs> anybody. I'm pretty. Anybody I'm rooting for us to lose, I'm not. I'm just trying to be very objective. I'm pretty sure that Todd's over there thinking, wait, 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 let me check my calendar. What day is that? November 19th? I feel like that's probably Brody Bell's birthday. I I I think he's going to go off and make a career day. (laughs) I can give you a bad (laughs) lip reading of what Todd said. He said, uh, uh, Wisconsin's going to win. Every dog has their day, and I am a butt smelly butt sniffer. So uh, for me, Nebraska versus Wisconsin. Nebraska versus Wisconsin for me. I think that's going to be a win. All right. And then we have uh, the granddaddy of them all. The show to end all shows. Black Friday. Iowa City, Iowa. The Jerk Eyes. Hosting our... Beloved Huskers. John, who do you got? Loss. Oh, my God. You suck so much. 
<laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I wasn't, to to I wasn't supposed to editorialize. I wasn't supposed to editorialize. I feel a little bad about that. Hoss? <laughs> Do you even need to ask? When? <laughs> Thank you. Todd. It just hurt. No. <laughs> I think that look says he's thumbs he down. That's a thumbs yeah. down. My gosh. Yeah. Yeah. All right. It, and look, it you may be able to make the claim that at certain points during this prediction process, I may have followed my heart rather than my head. Now, I'll disagree, and I'll argue with you day and night until we run out of time, which we're about to. But on Black Friday, it's going to be a win. So, All right, so well, now the big one. Our, so what is it so for each it, of our predictions? Season record before the Northwestern game. Before the Northwestern game. This is you're, you're asking me to do a lot of math on the fly, so and please right, we'll, talk we'll amongst you. yourselves. Okay, well, what, you know what? I want you to. What is this? Fuzzy Naval Boone's Farm and Bush Latte. What in God's name is that? That just a sounds bush, like some kind of. A bush latte earth. is a colloquialism for a bush light in these parts. Oh, say that again. A bush latte is a colloquialism for a bush light in these parts. Okay, and what is a fuzzy? Oh man, Oof. that just sounds like uh, you want to die. The fuzzy. Okay. Bush. All right, so here we go. Before we take into account the Northwestern game, John predicts, excluding Northwestern, six and five. Hello, pinstripe. Haas predicts. Excluding Northwestern, six and five. Damn, really? I still got Cap there. Captain Glass Half Empty Todd predicts before the Northwestern game, five and six. Oof. And Captain Optimism right here, yeah. follow with all five of my hearts, boys, before the Northwestern game, 11 and 0. How did we get here? So, how did I don't even know how I got here? Todd or Todd, Greg, <laughs> this this rivals the time that you and I were saying January of 2022, Adrian Martinez is a senior. <laughs> we'll be playing Bama oh, in God. Indianapolis for the college football playoff <laughs> national championship, brother. All right, let's get to let's get to again as we talked about early in the show. The only game that matters is the game this Saturday. In Dublin, Ireland, against the uh, Northwestern Nerds. John, this time we need a score. Uh, I think we're just going to destroy Northwestern. I just, you know, he, that one guy, Haas, I almost said Ross. Um, <laughs> Wouldn't be the first guy. Uh, I mean, he brought up Mike Hinkwitz, and I just think that Northwestern is going to be lost without them. I think they're going to have a very difficult time getting back to where they were without them. I'm going to say, like, I don't know, 38 to 10 Nebraska. 
which would put us at six and six, which I think would be the worst possible outcome for this season that I can think of. It would be a Johnny, horrible outcome. What was that score again, sir? I'm sorry. 38 to 10. Nebraska. to 10, okay. And you said a six and six. I feel like a six and six season for you would be like kissing your sister. Yeah, it would be terrible. Yeah, it's it's if I'm thinking I mean, where Josh she, going with this, it's an improvement. Yeah, it's a three win improvement, but still six losses. You're you're losing to all the teams you need to beat. Yeah. Can I? Here's the thing. I think that we have players. I think honestly, if I took just an honest look, took Scott Frost out of the picture completely, I think actually Nebraska would end up with a nine and three record against these teams. I think this schedule is easy. I don't think any of these teams are world killers that we're playing. Uh, Michigan and Oklahoma might have a chance to end up in the top ten just because of they're going to beat up people. But you put Scott Frost back into the mix, and I just think there's this dysfunctional environment and just a lack of trust. There's a family issue that here that we don't see, and that's why we keep losing games. And that's why I've repeatedly said that we probably could just as easily go three and nine. So. When I look at these no. games individually, and you made me pick them, uh, I guess I ended up with six and six. God, I now I just I'm not going to sleep for three days. <laughs> now here's the thing: you say that they're all winnable games, with the yeah. exception of maybe two. But you guys shit on me for going, you know, with eleven and zero up to this point. I, we went eleven I, and I'm 0. very I'm, I'm that, that's I'm that's very baffled by that. It's around. well, not the deep biggest. I, I I'm just saying, like crazier things have happened. It's the frost in effect. the world. It honestly is. I think we just we got good players through the transfer portal. Can they come together? I think we do have offensive and defensive coaches that are pretty decent. And I just think when you put Scott Frost into the mix, your head guy has to be the guy that wonders about all the details, and he doesn't do that. I got, I got to agree with John on this because like. Auburn went from being three and nine in 2012 to playing Florida State for the national championship in 2013, you know, and almost winning the game. They fired Chizik, brought in Gus Malzahn. We didn't make a change at the top. And a lot of the problems, whether they're, you know, the small, the problems you see on the field are just the dysfunction that, you know, has kind of been associated with this program for a while. It all starts at the top. And that's I, yeah. where I really think that um, six and six would almost, I got to agree with John, would be the worst thing to happen, you know, because yeah. there's progress. Yeah, but it's kind of like how much progress occurred because you took care of teams that you should have taken care of, even though there's no gimmies anymore. But the moments that you had to prove that you took a step forward, a big step forward, it's not there. Haas, let's get your uh, score and prediction for this week. Bum, bum, bum against right. Northwestern. It's a 4,000-mile road It's a 4,000-mile road trip over to Dublin, Ireland. By air, of course. You got a new offense, new offensive coordinator, new quarterback. And you're playing a team that likes to play in the twilight zone. They like to drag your, their opponent into the twilight zone. I'm going to say in a weird game, just like most Nebraska-Northwestern games are, Nebraska 26, Northwestern 23. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Actually, 
And that means we make four field goals, guys. We effectively kick four <laughs> field goals. So Bill Bush worth every penny. All right. Todd, I know you sent us a message because yeah. you're concerned about your technical difficulties. Six and six is perfect. Yeah, right. you're still moving from us, Todd. It's just frozen on your Okay. Screen. We beat, beat Northwest. This is six and six. But okay. I, or 10 and two, and 10 or two, I hope it gets. The bad lip reading says. Uh, Todd says that Northwest Nebraska will beat Northwestern 21 to 13. Six and six was not going to cut it. He really hopes he's wrong and he wants nine and three or 10 and two. And he is a smelly butt sniffer. What a terrible job. By the way, I, um, I never left middle school. By so the way, like get everybody up, up. Sorry. Sorry, Greg. No, you're fine, Hoss. I was just going to say, by the way, to uh, um, <laughs> we'll get there, Mike, uh, to get everybody up to speed uh, with the wins uh, predicted across the board, Todd has now elevated his season prediction to six and six, whereas Hoss and John are predicting seven and five. So uh, it's okay. Math is hard. I, I also. Question? Do you want to do that now? Before yeah. mine, yeah. we can do that. So Mike wants to know how many losses before Frost gets fired, and everyone must answer, or he's never coming back. Nobody's rooting for Frost to fail, Andy. We all want a successful no. football program. I think it depends on when the losses happen. If if the losses happen, let me get back to the schedule here. If we are to the middle of October and our only wins are against North Dakota and Georgia Southern. You know, I, I think then, then you can say four, four losses uh, because at that point it's Northwestern Oklahoma, Indiana and Rutgers. Um, you've got to, you've got to win those games. And, and maybe you don't quote unquote have to win against Oklahoma. Um, but you can, I mean, they proved it last year with, how do I say this? Not as talented of a squad, I think, at the end. Um, but I think I think if you go into the Purdue game, and maybe you give them to Purdue because then you have a bye week uh, after Purdue. But if you have four losses after Purdue, I don't I don't see it happening. I Todd made a comment on a podcast we did a few months ago. And he said, you have to get to five wins before you get to five losses. And I guess that comment has always stuck with me. That, you know, I think that's that's pretty spot on. Now, with regards to the athletic department, I mean, who the, who the hell knows what Trev Albert is thinking. But, I mean, isn't, Husker Mike says, basically, he's the guy that does the revenue type stuff for us. Uh, he points out that we make $3 million a home game, right? Mm-hmm. So the whole, you know, people are doing this thing about Frost being fired has to wait till the buyout goes down. And if people are not showing up to games because they don't want to watch this team anymore, uh, that's a big fact. I mean, remember, everybody remembers, at least when they were around, what was it, 2007? 
the halftime of the Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. State game when everybody left the stadium. I mean, if something like that happens this season, I think that Nebraska fans put it this way. I know that there's a lot of you who are upset with me because I am bashing Scott Frost all the hell. But I think Nebraska fans know their football better than just about anybody in the nation. And I think that if we see any moment this season where this fan base turns, they will all turn together like that. I mean, they will literally see each other leaving and they will all get up and leave or they will all just say, this is over and this is done. And it'll be like, you know, it'll be like, I don't know. 2017 Ohio State was bad, too. I was at that game in Lincoln. That place was empty by the middle of the second quarter. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, we're going to It's that hive mentality. Oh. I, uh, I, I have to say that to answer Mike's question, how many losses, I think if we lost to Purdue on October 13th or 15th, I'd check what I had written down. I think that you'll see – with that being the third loss, I think you'll see it happen there. Like what Todd alluded to in uh, his prediction, you know, the bye week, the second bye week being October 22nd, I think you'd see a change being made there. Okay. Adam um, Michael Fellows puts up, are any of you going to the OU, Oklahoma game? Lucky enough to get tickets. Some are going for over a thousand a piece. Holy shit. That seems a lot. National championship game. I got two tickets for them thinking in 2000 bucks. <laughs> How about a five heart <laughs> podcast discount? <laughs> uh, and then, so let, let me get into my Northwestern prediction. We have question marks. I would say the bulk of our question marks are on the offensive line. Uh, yeah, we had a center who was drafted, uh, who appears to be doing pretty well with the Philadelphia Eagles. But we have a lot of we have you know a, a guy coming back from an injury. We have some guys who they they haven't maybe uh, met our expectations. But and we have a lot of incoming talent transfer portal talent that we haven't seen in in as far as a Nebraska corn their their Nebraska career we haven't seen them uh, in in any ac- actual uh, game play we have offense defense special teams transfer uh, young men coming in and all of them have the ability to make an immediate impact. We have look Nebraska and Northwestern playing in the same conditions, meaning that like it's not a home game for Nebraska. I mean, or I'm sorry for Northwestern. You know, they may be the the home team on the on the scoreboard, but they had to travel almost as many miles uh, as as the Huskers did, and everybody's in that. It I almost feel like from the outside, at least my perspective is that it's it's almost a bowl game type of atmosphere, right? It, it's neutral. There there's team activities. Uh, you know, and, and bonding experiences and practices as well to get ready for the game. With all that said, I am, I don't know if you guys could tell by, by the rest of my season predictions, I am excited for Nebraska football 2022. I don't think it's going to be a repeat of last year where we absolutely smoke them. I wish. Nothing makes me happier 
than than just smashing teams. I also don't think it, it it's going to be a, a twilight zone type of game where it's going to be decided like so many Northwestern Nebraska games have been uh, in in recent memory. I think Nebraska is going to win it. I think they're going to win thirty one seventeen, and bringing my season total to twelve and zero. <laughs> All right, so who are we playing in Indianapolis then, Greg? Ohio State. Ohio State. And what's that one? Win loss. <laughs> I'd say it, it it could be Purdue. I mean, not Purdue. It could be Penn State. I don't know why I said Purdue. Um, it could be Penn State. Ask me that question in the second bye week. I'll have better. <laughs> no, um, I don't. I don't again, as John said, you know, or, or you know, Todd said, "Gosh, he's hopeful we go nine and three or ten and two. We all are." John made the the comment, and, and I, I I hate to rehash, but this is a team that, on paper, now, you know, John's comment being, you know, other comment being, but on paper, this is a team that should compete up and down the schedule with every team that we play. There's no reason to not believe. And I refuse to not believe. I will be that Kool-Aid drinking Cornhusker nut who's always going to pick Nebraska over any team. I don't have enough logic or common sense to ever root against Nebraska. <laughs> and and so it is with that five-heart optimism that I say – as I say every August, we'll see you in Indy. <laughs> oh God! If you beat Oklahoma, I will be snorting Kool Aid packets right alongside of you. <laughs> I'll be there. Okay, Brando Sports World does ask the question: Why would we we lose to Purdue? Though programs like Purdue don't just bring back a Karloftis or David Bell. Um, I think they. Just Judge Braun just knows how to coach against us, and Braun, you know there's just there's just sometimes they, what you see if you go back and look at Big Ten history is just some teams just have a hard time with other teams, you know. I mean, like Nebraska what is it? Western. Yeah, or you know, if you go back through history, there's been times in Penn State's uh, history where Minnesota had no business beating them and ruined their season. And you can find teams all over the Big Ten that are like that. So Ohio State used to, it still struggles with Purdue at times. Yeah. Except for last year, they bombed them. But you know, um, yeah, Purdue. Jeff Brom, probably one of the best offensive minds in America. Aiden O'Connell's back this year. Um, they always have really solid linebackers and safeties. They'll reload at receiver just like they did with when they lost Rondale Moore. They bring in David Bell. They did lose Jackson Anthrop last year, their slot receiver, who really made them go. Um, but Brom's a good coach. I would love to beat Purdue because I'm sick and tired of losing to those guys. I think this this year, we, I I don't think health wise or mental wise, I I don't keep, think I can do another year like last year. I mean, last year was insane with the constant one one score losses, the constant horrifying ways that we lost those. Don't forget that our, we gave up the first point to the college football season last year on one of the dumbest plays I've ever seen Nebraska make on special teams. 
it, I just we can't do that again this year. That I, Illinois I game was one of the most frustrating losses in recent yeah. memory as a Husker fan. And you'd kind of hope that we, you know, we've run out of ways to fuck up a game. I mean, honest to God, like, 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 how many different other ways can we screw something up? So hopefully, maybe we got that out of them. Andy, thank you. I, I feel like perfect for how I feel. I I feel like twenty twenty one Huskers explored, examined, and succeeded in finding every possible way to lose a game. Mm-hmm. In my closing arguments, Your Honor. The era of the heart attack Huskers is over. John, you'll not have to worry anymore. (laughs) They won't all be 45-point wins. But the sun always rises. And uh, uh, be it the the Great Plains of eastern Nebraska or the sand hills of western Nebraska, the sun shines on the great Cornhusker state. And that is why... Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, you absolutely have to believe in the 2022 Nebraska Cornhuskers. Hoss, are you raising your hand or are you testifying? A little bit of both. Um, I got to say, <laughs> that, was, that was very inspirational. And uh, I think the Kool-Aid's been injected into my veins a little bit more just off of that alone. Yeah. Let, let, LFG, let's go. Did you, does that mean Let's you're changing go. your season prediction to ten and two? <laughs> no, I'm not. But I'm just—he's too know, logical for that. I'm I'm jacked for Saturday. Well, let's let's shove off then and and get ready as we'll know how right or wrong we all are in less than you know three full days, seventy two hours from now. We'll know because the game will have been over. So let's go around the horn and, and thank everybody for being here. Hoss, uh, thanks for, for joining us. And, and sincerely, I know you've been back on the show uh, quite a bit this summer, but it is, it's truly great to have you back uh, in, in what we hope is a full-time capacity. So thank you for coming back and have that whiteboard and marker ready. Todd, I know we had some technical hiccups this week, but what we could hear you say, we could sure hear you say, we love your presence. And, uh, no, it, it it was great to have you here, uh, and and look forward to uh, we look forward to hearing more from you. It's funny because in our in our group chat, he's you know with him being on vacation the last couple of weeks, he said that he felt muzzled, and now he comes back. It's almost like he jinxed himself. So <laughs> we hope that uh, 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 Todd is back in, in full form next week. And then, of course, we couldn't do any of this without our founder and fearless leader of coordination.com. You know him. You love him. You, too, want to chip in for his damn haircut. John Dam Johnston, thank you for setting this up, for twisting our arms, and we'll do more live shows again. I'm Greg Mahochko. This is the Five Heart Podcast, where we remind you each and every week that Five Heart is all the heart you need. John? Go, Big Red! Win the damn Todd. game. Todd. Oh. Ah. Go, Big So, right up here. Are we, are we clear? My turn now. Win the damn game.